Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Nurture podcast. In this series, we'll be focusing on the six principles of nurture to help embed them into your mind and daily practice. So first up, we have the environment offers a safe base, which is the focus of this episode. The other five principles are children's learning is understood developmentally, language is a vital means of communication, all behaviour is communication, transitions are significant in the lives of children and finally, nurture is important for the development of well-being. so many different aspects of each nurture principle and when working with children who have experienced trauma or with those who maybe don't have secure attachments with their caregivers then there are assessments that can be done in these circumstances which will help you to establish which early childhood experiences have indeed been missed and what it is that that individual needs in order to help them improve their social and emotional skills. Having said this, within our educational establishments, we can really provide nurturing opportunities and activities for all of our children on a daily basis through a whole school approach. So these episodes will benefit anyone who's genuinely interested in making their environment a more nurturing one. So when thinking about this first nurture principle, the environment offers a safe base, we must firstly think of the relationships within that environment, as well as of course the physical space. A child's environment is like the air they breathe and everything that surrounds them. So all children must feel both physically safe, but more importantly, feel emotionally safe. But what exactly is meant by emotional safety? Feeling emotionally safe means being able to internally relax. As a result, you're open and willing to engage with others and you're able to feel safe enough to be your true self. Feeling safe starts on the inside and by having a positive connection with adults, young people can begin to recognise their feelings, which can help them to regulate themselves in times of distress. Something as simple as modelling and stating how you're feeling throughout the day can demonstrate to the young people that feelings are natural, that everyone gets them, but they are constantly changing. I think it's important to help our children to recognise their feelings and let them know it's okay to feel those things. Teaching children emotions can help them recognise what they are feeling and then we can give them the skills to explain why they're feeling that way. Now children with heightened emotions sometimes haven't been taught how to regulate them and that means they can be in a heightened state for much longer. Children learn to regulate via consistent and available caregivers. And when they've missed out on those early experiences, they can still be developmentally very young emotionally. So what I would say is be consistent, be available and allow children time to learn. Now what we're talking about here is co-regulation. Adults can help children learn necessary skills to self-regulate if we name the emotion and stay with young people in times of distress and then discuss the possible reasons something happened once they feel safe enough and once they're regulated again. So now let's move on to thinking about how we can build connections with our young people so they trust us enough to allow us to support them.
One of the most basic but impactful things that all staff members can do is to simply greet children every day with a friendly smile and a welcoming tone of voice. By taking the time to consistently offer a meet and greet in the mornings at the door of your classroom, or indeed the doors of your school or establishment, then children will instantly feel welcomed and a warm familiar face can really help to promote a positive start to a young person's day. We can't always be informed or be aware of the things that children are bringing into school with them. What kind of morning might they've had prior to meeting you? Or what difficult transitions may they have experienced before coming in? For example, they might have not had a good sleep or they might have had difficulties catching the bus. They may have had a falling out with a family member. We just can't know everything all of the time. What we can do, however, is ensure that they have a good start to your lesson and to their school day. We also have to be alert to any changes and difficulties that children may be facing in their home environment, which again takes us back to the idea of us all carrying our own invisible emotional backpacks. We aren't always sure what's inside it, but we must remain mindful that it is there. So how can we help these children when we don't know what kind of challenges they're facing? Well, having that secure connection and positive relationship won't fix everything going on in their lives, but it will allow our young people to take risks and comfortably learn and make mistakes. Building a trusting relationship with a young person means that you may become the person that they come to when things go wrong, or in times of uncertainty, particularly if they don't have a secure attachment figure at home. Once we have a relationship with a child, we can help build their resilience. Resilience is a vital skill, it's something we can all learn and something everybody can practice. As a practitioner working with children, we can help them to learn about resilience and help them to become resilient. If they fall, we can teach them that that's okay, that they can get back up and they can try again and they can be successful the next time. We can also help them to identify their own qualities. We should think of ourselves as their safety net. Children need to feel safe so if they fall, they can still go on to succeed. So when we are thinking about this principle and how we can create our safe environments, this means ensuring consistency, trustworthiness and of course boundary setting. Our children and young people need to know that you're not going to change regardless of their behaviour and they therefore rely heavily upon a strict routine with a clear structure and rules in order for them to really feel safe. This is particularly important for those children who don't have a stable home environment. Children will naturally push up against these boundaries but it's up to us to stay calm and be consistent in our approaches and responses. So let's think about the environment as in the physical space that our children and young people access. First impressions are everything, and the little things really do count when walking into a nursery, primary or secondary school. Well-organised and decluttered areas can really help to create a sense of calm and demonstrates that you have care and respect for resources and personal belongings. There is also a balance to be had between a stimulating and overstimulating environment. 
obviously there are challenges such as in a secondary school, the physical space is going to change from lesson to lesson. So how do you make your space a safe one? Each space will be different and you may have a large classroom, a small nurture room, or perhaps be working in an open plan corridor. Regardless of this, there are certain things that you can do to make your physical environment a safe space for children and young people. One thing you can do is provide a comfy space that young people can take themselves off to if they need to. That might just be a nice quiet area with a sofa or some bean bags, or it could be a cushion on a chair in a quieter area of the classroom or in a corridor. Perhaps there are children in your class who need to be able to leave that particular space when things get a little bit too much for them. Consider then how you could facilitate that without drawing too much attention to the young person. Could all young people be given take-a-minute cards or backing five passes, for example? Think too whether you could provide a visual timetable in addition to a written one. This could be personalised, which may help settle nerves and anxieties around uncertainty. Another idea is to offer children a soft start. In primary, this could include building soft skills such as fine motor or team building. Simple ideas are jigsaw puzzles and board games. In secondary settings, you could also use board games or a simple debate question to encourage communication and build leadership capacity. Another idea is to have problem-solving activities out for young people when they enter the classroom. This encourages agency. It also shows that you've thought about them before they've even entered the classroom. I know it might be a little bit tricky when different classes are leaving and entering all the time though. An idea to overcome that is to have a box filled with activities for different stages. You could include question cards and problem solving games for example. I think the physical environment is a really good way of enabling children to have ownership and agency over something in their lives. You could even speak to them about what they would like to see in their classroom or space. And this is equitable as all children will have different ideas so building as much of that into your classroom or nurture room might help them just, just to feel a little bit more comfortable and therefore the young person might feel a little bit more empowered and successful at school. Of course these are all just small adjustments which may make your day and a young person's day a little easier and a little less anxiety inducing. Even with those small gradual adjustments you'll start to see some positive changes. upon many ideas throughout today's episode. So we are now going to round it off with three top tips that practitioners can do in order to ensure that their environment offers a safe base. Tip number one, always be mindful that everyone, including staff, are carrying an invisible emotional backpack. Always respond with kindness and empathy. Tip two, we need to help build resilience teach our children that it's okay to make mistakes, catch them when they fall and let them know that they can always try again and they will indeed succeed. Finally, tip number three, come to a set of agreed boundaries and be consistent in reminding children of these and applying them within your setting. You'll notice that all of these tips are actually more about you and what it is that you're providing within that environment. And that's what makes a safe base for a child or young person. More than anything else, it's the who and not the what. 
By developing your nurturing nature, you will begin to apply these principles instinctively and it will become part of who you are and how you communicate with everyone around you. Thank you to everyone who's listened to the first ever episode of the Nurture Podcast. Today's episode has been all about how we can ensure our environment creates an area of safety for our children and young people. Nurture, however, isn't just about strategies. Nurture is a way of being.